You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome into the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We're so glad that you're joining us this week I'm here for the Bonfire Podcast. I just want to, again, take a moment to thank you for listening and stopping in to spend some time with us as we study God's Word. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, our uh, Bonfire Podcast release every Sunday evening at 8 p.m., and you can subscribe, and we would encourage you to do so um, through pretty much anywhere you can find podcast content. Uh, you can go on there and have that downloaded right to your device, whether it be an Apple device or an Android device. Um, or if you don't want to download that to one of your uh, devices, you're more than welcome to catch our episodes on our Facebook page because we do load them there. You can also find us um, on YouTube. Our videos are loaded there as well. So just wanted to remind you where you can find us. Um, and we encourage you again to subscribe. And if you will, help us by spreading the word and just telling other people about the Bonefire Podcast. Well, Dad, I'm excited uh, for us mm-hmm. to be talking again today. Uh, yeah. We're still here in First John, and this is actually session nine of the Blessed Assurance a podcast. And again, for our new listeners that may be uh, catching this for the first time, uh, we have been in the last several weeks uh, in a series uh, studying through the book of First John, uh, really taking it verse by verse. And uh, again, this is the ninth session that we're in uh, today. And we're going to be looking at First John 4, 1 through 6 today. So uh, we're, we're uh, you know, coming to the, the end of the chapter, but we still probably have a, a couple more weeks at least um, of content here to get through uh, the rest of First John. So um Data, if you will, if you'll just go ahead and start us off with our our scripture reading, and then we're going to jump into some conversation. Sure. Starting at verse 1, John writes, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Mm. So, Dad, have you ever heard the phrase, um, a sucker is born every minute? Sure, sure. You know, that that phrase was actually coined by uh, P.T. Barnum, and he was uh, part of the the famous Barnum and Bailey Circus. I think Mm -hmm. they they no longer do those circuses now. I think that went away maybe a year or two ago, but... Um, he's considered one of America's first showmen, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, he was known for having uh, these crazy sideshows. Uh, you know, it would be the the eight-foot-tall bearded woman, you know, right. that people would have to pay to come into the tent to see. Or or I think one time he had supposedly a giant, uh, you know, that uh, that he was going to ask people to pay money to come and see. And so that was his, his statement, as a sucker was born every minute. And he was mm-hmm. actually... Uh, made a very lucrative career out of that statement. That's you know? right. And uh, unfortunately, there's still a lot of people that adhere to that motto today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, scams and and kind of fraud are happening all around us. Right. As I was kind of looking at stuff that we were going to talk about today, I, I just pulled some s- statistics. I was trying to figure out, you know, how big is this whole scam thing? 
And um, I went to the FTC's website, uh, the Federal Trade Commission, and in 2019, there were over 3 million Americans that reported some type of scam or fraud that they were involved in mm-hmm. uh, or was committed toward them in, in 2019 alone. And that's just a staggering number. That is. Um, and and I read uh, also in, in the process of studying that um, the second most lucrative industry in Nigeria is actually scamming foolish Americans out of their money by promising them to send millions in return. You know, right. I think probably all of our listeners have probably received, whether it's an email or a phone call uh, from someone claiming to be a Nigerian prince. And yeah. if you just send them $5,000, they are going to return to you the whole value of their kingdom at some point in the future. And, you know, it's really sad that people fall for that. That's but right. It, it happens um, every day. It's just such a, a widespread problem. But, you know, as as we're talking about First John, uh, particularly in chapter four, um, we're not talking about those type of scams. We're talking about spiritual scams and, mm-hmm. um, you know, probably more prevalent than these financial scams that we're just talking about now is spiritual scams. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we think about it, think about the number of uh, false cults um, and false religions and, and just uh, that are luring millions of people into their traps, uh, promising them fulfillment and happiness and more. And it's not just what you think of our typical uh, false uh, religions. Right. Um, there are those that are more mainstream and, and come across as, quote unquote, evangelical. That's exactly right. I think one of the more dangerous uh, movements that are out here that's out here today is the word faith movement, a movement whose proponents teach that divine health and prosperity are the rights of every Christian who will apply faith just to receive them. The movement is also known as the prosperity gospel, the health wealth gospel, and the name it and claim it. I mean some of the big proponents of this would be Robert Tilton, Marilyn Hickey, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, Rodney Howard Brown, Kenneth Hagan, Benny Hinn, Oral Roberts, the list just goes on. These prosperity teachers that are out there that are scamming people, they're known for manipulative and deceptive fundraising tactics. Take, for instance, Marilyn Hickey, the word faith teacher. Here's what she said one time. She said, what do you need? I need money. Start creating it. Start speaking about it. Start speaking it into being. Speak to your billfold, say, you big, thick billfold full of money. Speak to your checkbook, say, you checkbook, you've never been so prosperous since I own you. You're just jam full with money. She is noted for saying if we didn't send money, however, her program would have to be dropped from the station. That meant she didn't believe her own teaching. (laughs) If she did, she would have not had to ask her viewers for donations. She could have just spoke to her wallet. There would have been the money to stay on. I mean, there's all kind of scams out there. Some religious teachers, some of these false prophets that we're going to be talking about today, son, they've sold anointed rubber bands to wear on their wrists for seven days for only $10 and magical healing cloths. These tricks are used by many prosperity preachers today. I know that there was one that got up and said, say to your body, your whole body, why you're just function so beautiful and so well. Why, body, you never have problems. You're a strong, healthy body. Or speak to your leg, or speak to your foot, or speak to your neck. And once you have spoken and believe that you have received, don't go back on it. And I like this. It says, speak to your wife, speak to your husband, speak to your circumstances, and speak faith to them to create in them, and God will create what you're speaking. Now, folks, you know that's just ridiculous. 
you that are out there listening. Uh, God is not going to be commanded by us. He's the one that gives us commands. Now, over in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, the Word of God plainly teaches that one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. You think about it. Jesus, when he was walking among us on earth, uh, Jesus sometimes did not have a good pillow to lay his head on at night. He was one that just had basic clothing. He did not walk around in rich apparel. The Lord Jesus didn't. As a matter of fact, thieves uh, were crucified on both sides of him, and people gambled for his clothes. You know, Paul said, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content, for I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. Now, this was the apostle of God who wrote, a great many of the letters in the New Testament. And he was not rich and wealthy as these prosperity pe- preachers are scamming people to think, if you just send us some money, why God would just bless your heart and bless you with so much money in return. Paul said, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God has not promised in this life that we shall be free from all the consequences of the fall into sin, including illness and other human suffering. Folks, we're just we're just pilgrims passing through this old world. Our riches are in glory. Our riches are where the Lord Jesus is at today. And it, he doesn't want us to live in this old physical world forever. I don't want to live in this old aging body that I'm living in forever. God's got in mind a new body to give to me. And all the money in the world doesn't bring happiness. As a matter of fact, these that are the prosperity uh, preachers today, they're the, some of the least happy people in the world. <laughs> Amen to that. And so, you know, Dad, the, several of the examples that you gave, um, those really, to me, and, and at least in my opinion, I think they really peaked probably uh, 20 or, or more years ago. That seems like that was where the little the real boost of that movement was. It's still going on today. It's still because, going on. Because you can turn on any of uh, religious cable uh, channel that you may have or satellite channel that you may have, and you'll probably find one of those individuals uh, preaching and proclaiming exactly what you've said there. Uh, and so that's going to really resonate with some of our older listeners, but some of our younger listeners, they may not be as familiar with that, but there's also a movement going on for them as well. Mm-hmm. And in many of our large, uh, modern, uh, quote unquote, mega churches, uh, there is a movement afoot right now that uh, they are compromising their uh, doctrine and their theology and embracing the postmodern philosophy that there is no absolute truth. That's right. And so you can believe whatever you want to believe as long as it makes you happy. If you believe that, um, you know, that homosexualism is okay, then that's fine. You you do that. Or if you believe that um, you, you can be a drunkard and be fine, then that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's clearly in contradiction with the Word of God. That's right. And, but that is creeping in, and, and you would be surprised. There are many of our, again, mega churches that you may be singing some of their worship music on Sunday, uh, but when you really get down to what their belief system is and the church where that worship music was coming from, uh, they've really adopted this kind of left-leaning liberal theology um, in their churches. That's right. Liberal theology abounds. Now, I'm 60 years old, and I finished seminary when I was almost 25. And when I went to the seminary, there was a lot of 
there was a lot of liberalism in some of our good old Southern Baptist seminaries then. Now, that's not true anymore because the conservatives in our denomination stood up because our denomination's always been a strong uh, Bible-believing denominations. But false teachers, they slip in to where they can do the most damage in our schools and our seminaries. And so coming from a rural church where I was taught to believe the Word of God and 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 I, I truly had faith in what God had said in His Word, I went and was confronted immediately in the seminary by professors that did not believe the Word of God. Honestly, I believe that many of them needed to be saved. And thank the Lord, there was a good cleaning out of that school, and the school was much stronger today as a Bible-believing school. That was happening really 35 years ago, and it is more prevalent today than it has ever been. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like this the new version that we're seeing of, of kind of false teachers and false belief system, it's more subtle, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 it's very uh, hard uh, if if you're not paying close attention and you don't know the word of God well, mm-hmm. that you could be easily deceived by what's going on because it's not quite as in your face as someone saying, "Hey, send me twenty five dollars and I'll send you a rubber band," or "Send me twenty five dollars and I'll send you a cloth." Right? That's it's right. much more subtle and it requires us to be much more discernful, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, you know, I thought about a scripture coming from First Timothy chapter four, beginning at verse one. And listen to what Paul said to Timothy. He saw it coming even in his time. He said, Now the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in the latter times, and that's the times you and I live in, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy. So some of what we are hearing today uh, coming from uh, these churches are doctrines of demons, very deceptive. And and some of the most captivating speakers uh, that are on the the television, on the airways today, uh, they're empowered by Satan. That's why they can speak so smooth because they're giving forth a doctrine of a demon. There's demons behind them using them. Certainly, certainly that is true. And so, you know, as we've discussed on this podcast before and first John, you know, John likes to come back and talk about things multiple times. And, uh, and John, we've already covered uh, false teachers and false prophets and the Antichrist spirit before. Um, but uh, so John was very familiar with these, what we're calling today these spiritual scams, mm-hmm. uh, because again, he had talked a lot about false teachers and, and the Antichrist spirit before. And in today's text, John actually encourages believers to be non-believers, Dad. Mm-hmm. And that's right. If you're listening, I, I said it. John encourages believers to be non-believers, mm-hmm. because John guides us uh, to, be, to not believe everything that we hear as it relates to the things of God, that we must pay close attention um, to the Word of God, and we must pay t- close attention. And if we look closely at what John is saying here, uh, that we'll see that he is actually saying that believers must be discerning when it comes to spiritual matters. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, I think about what you just said, my mind goes back to Acts chapter 17, where the story is told about uh, Paul, and he has left Thessalonica, and he has went to Berea, And the Bible says in verse 10, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. There were 
they were far more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Now here, Paul goes to a, a, a Jewish synagogue where the people uh, have been studying and they know what we would refer to as the Old Testament today. And then Paul comes along and he preaches Jesus. And he preaches Jesus from the Old Testament because Jesus is written about in the Old Testament. And they were intently listening, but they didn't just believe Paul outright. They went home and they dug in the scriptures and they studied for themselves to make sure that Paul's message, his word, was coming from the word of God. And it was. And we need more Berean type Christians in the world today. That's right. We need believers that are discerning in spiritual matters. And that's really, if we had one kind of summary sentence for today's podcast, that would be it, is that we need to be discerning. Mm -hmm. And so in our text today that you've already read for us, Dad, I I really saw that it falls into three parts. Um, Mm -hmm. And those three parts are, one, uh, that John gives gives us a reason for discernment. And the second is he gives us a basis for discernment. And then lastly, um, he shows us what some of the evidence of discernment looks like. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I figured we would just kind of walk through these three points here and, and discuss that uh, with our listeners. Um, and so the first one that we'll take a look at is the reason for dis- discernment. And we can find that right there in uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Notice John says that n- not to trust every spirit. Mm -hmm. but to test the spirits to see if it is of God. So from that statement alone right there, we can conclude that there are spirits of God and there are spirits that are not of God. And if we drop down to the last verse of our text today, down in verse 6, we see that John refers to this other spirit as the spirit of error. And, Dad, you you were just mentioning that um, these false teachers, that they are embodied by a spirit of Satan, right, of of demons. Uh And so this spirit of error that we're referring to here is actually that Antichrist spirit that we've discussed before. I think it was probably three or four sessions ago we had a whole whole podcast on that uh, Antichrist spirit. And so it's this Antichrist spirit uh, that, again, is, is really driven by Satan himself. And, and we have to remember that from the dawning of time, uh, Satan has been at work trying to deceive uh, people through this uh, spirit of error. And we know uh, this will continue and only increase um, until we get the presence of the big A Antichrist, uh, which will be the actual full embodiment of this spirit of error uh, when it comes on the scene. That's right. Over in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus went on to tell us that false prophets, these false prophets that will come, are so convincing, Jesus said, if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. And so they have uh, a masterful way of, of conveying what they believe and they want you to believe because they are backed up by the devil himself. He is the deceiver. That's right. And we must never forget that Satan is a formidable foe, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he is actively working to try and deceive and destroy believers. That's his one goal. Right. Um, that's his only end game is to try and deceive uh, believers because he, we know how it ends for him. That's right. Um, and it, he's not going to win, but this is the only way that he can kind of win the, the, the battle because the war has already been won. Mm-hmm. Jesus, you know, warned us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, that we should beware of, of false prophets who come uh, in sheep's clothing, mm-hmm. uh, but are inly, inwardly ravagenous wolves. You know, Matt, uh, sometimes we only think about uh, false teachers coming to us by the way of radio and television. And in my opinion, they're far more on 
television than radio because false teachers like to be seen, Mm. you know. But I'm here to tell you that they can come into the local church as well. Second Peter 2, 1, Peter says, There were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false prophets among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies. And Jude verse 4, speaking of false prophets, says, For there are, are certain men crept in unawares. They slip into the church kind of stealth. You know, yep. we've got these stealth planes our military does that can uh, fly into uh, countries where we want to attack or bomb unnoticed. Undetected. You know, yeah. undetected. Yeah, and that, that's basically, what, in Jesus' words, was that sheep's clothing, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they are able to come in and they look like the sheep. Right. Uh, they, they bow like the sheep. Uh, and ultimately, though, inside, they're actually a ravenous wolf. Right. A wolf who, who's trying to devour uh, the, the sheep there in the flock. Right. You know, on the same topic, Paul writes in Romans 16, verse 18, uh, that such men are slaves, not uh, to our Lord Jesus Christ, but to their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, uh, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, John wrote these verses in, in 1 John chapter 4 so that the early church, and you and me and all of our listeners, Dad, mm-hmm. so that we would not be unsuspecting, that we should be on the lookout, we should be aware. Mm-hmm. John emphatically says that don't believe everything that you hear, test it to see if it is of God. God does not want us to waste one moment following a false teacher. That's exactly right. And so kind of leads us into our next point of if we're supposed to test, how are we supposed to test? Uh, we, we clearly see that. And so John provides the answer to us. Um, he, that's our second point is he gives us the basis uh, for discernment and, and how to test. And so uh, in, in this part of the text, uh, John offers a simple test. He says, see what they say about Jesus, right? That, that's mm-hmm. the, the Matt Parker translation of that. Is, right. It's just see what they say about Jesus. John says that every spirit that confesses that Jesus came in flesh is of God. Mm-hmm. But I believe that that statement is more than just uh, stating of facts uh, because we've already talked about it multiple times on this podcast, Ed, I continue to quote it, mm-hmm. that even the demons of hell know who Jesus is, mm-hmm. right? And they can say that he is the son of God. They know right. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just because you say it doesn't mean that you actually are confessing it because see here in this uh, verse, when they use the term confess, when John wrote that, it means to to uh, declare in faith and adherence to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I believe that this simple statement, Dad, is really uh, by John is is actually a two phase test. Mm-hmm. And 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 let me see if this uh, kind of fits with what you're seeing here. So I saw that there's a two phase test. The first phase is the deity of Christ. So knowing the context that John was writing under, uh, that he had the Gnostics that were around, and that they were uh, trying to undermine the deity of Christ. Um, that he says you have to look at the Spirit and see if it proclaims the truth that Jesus was eternal God who came to earth and was born as a baby. He clothed his deity with human body, and he was fully divine and fully man at the same time. And with respect to his deity, do they actually confess that he is Lord? That's right. You know, uh, sometimes the false teacher will come and use our terminology but yet they mean something different. That's how they kind of work their way in. And sometimes they say things that are true. Now, uh, I want you to think about this. Some things that a false prophet will teach, like I said, will be true. Even a broken watch is going to be right twice a day. Mm-hmm. But just because a teacher says some things that are true, that does not mean that he is of God. You've got to check his content, and the most important thing is what you said, 
is uh, what a false teacher says about the Lord Jesus. Now, at the time John was writing, there was a heresy going about known to the church uh, as the Serenthian heresy. It was a blatant denial of the deity of the Lord Jesus. Yes, and the second uh, phase of this test that I saw was actually the Word of God. And so, you know, in John's Gospel, because John is writing here in First John, but John also wrote John's Gospel, and he calls Jesus the Word, the living Word of God. Mm-hmm. And so I believe John is also encouraging us as believers as the second phase of this test is to compare the lives and the words of these spirits or these false teachers or these false preachers uh, to that of Jesus and the Word of God to see if it aligns. And that's exactly what you're saying. It's very easy for someone to come in and say the right things and say the right words and use the right language. Mm-hmm. But you really have to inspect them and say, okay, are they doing what they're saying? Right. Are they living what they're saying? And is what they're saying actually even close to what our Bible says? That's right. Right. You have to have to do that comparison. And so for that reason, you know, there are multiple reasons why uh, Christians should uh, study their Bible and that they should read and they should pray and they should meditate on God's word. Mm-hmm. But I'm at a point now where I'm seeing so many things happening with, uh, with the modern day church and with false teaching coming in unaware that it's now more important than ever that Christians really dig into the Word and they understand it because they need to be able to to hear something mm-hmm. and know, wait a minute, that actually, that, that doesn't mean that, or it doesn't say that in the Bible. Right. And so they may need to be able to, to be discernful or they may actually have to refute it. Um, I can tell you, I've had the personal experience of some someone come knocking to my door, right? And uh, and they're from a, a different religious group, mm-hmm. and they will have scripture um, from our Bible mm-hmm. uh, that they will have, but they will take only pieces and parts of it, and they will put it into their literature, and they will say, "Oh, look, yes, we we study John, and here's what it says in John." Right. But if you don't understand uh, the full context of John's writings and the full context of what Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote, then you're not going to know that you're being deceived, and they're just using uh, parts and pieces of of, uh, the gospel to try and uh, win you over. That's exactly right. I remember one time I had a person come knocking on my door, and I I live in a parsonage. I mean, the church house right here in the parking lot. Obviously, the person was very brave to come knocking on the door of the Baptist pastor, you know, being uh, a false teacher. Of course, they didn't think they were a false teacher. And I met them at the door, and it hadn't been long that I had preached about some of the things that they believed. And so uh, I, I just had fun challenging them upon their beliefs. And they were using a Bible that was uh, uh, not a translation, but an altercation of the Word of God, yeah. where it says, and the Word was God and became flesh and dwelt among us. Their, their version of the Scripture says, and the Word was a God. And there's a lot of difference right there. Yep. And so I you know, could pull out my Bible and say, no, that's not exactly what the Bible says right here, and uh, talk to them about that. So listeners, I would challenge you to think about, um, are you in a position right now today that if someone came up to you and they were pushing a false narrative, would you have enough understanding in the Word of God to be able to discern it? Would you know enough scripture? Would you know enough about uh, you know the, the contextual writings of God's Word that you would be able to identify that? If, if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, well, I, I don't know. Uh, then that's a, a good warning call for you to say, get in God's Word, study, 
Learn as much as you possibly can. The first step is going to be able to learn how to discern what they're saying is is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And then the second step to that is what you're talking about, Dad, is actually being able to to go back on the offensive and actually refute what they're saying and say, no, 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 let me tell you what, what this really means. And then that way you can begin to minister back to that person. That's right. I found out, son, sometimes I can be sitting there in the evening after my wife's already gone to sleep and I can be flipping the channels, particularly on the religious stations that we have on the satellite. And there's a bunch of those channels. And I'll flip to one channel and I'll see one person speaking and something in my heart says liar, you know, mm. false prophet. And uh, it's just like uh, the Holy Spirit in me sets off an alarm that there's something wrong about this person's message. I've only listened to just a little bit of what he says, and then I listen a little bit longer, and and it's confirmed because what they're saying does not match up with the Word. You know, we have to have the Word and compare what they're saying to the Word, but the Spirit of God also guides us in our hearts, too. He was given to us that we might know the truth. And uh, and remind us of what the word says. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And we covered it in a, a couple podcast right, yeah. episodes ago that that spirit has multiple functions, and one of those is the guiding, discerning aspect of it. To 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 really, uh, even the newest Christian has the spirit of God living in them, and will help detect uh, truth from error. Right. Uh, that, that's a great point to have there. So John tells us again not to believe everything that we hear, but to test it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's uh, just such a great lesson, really. Uh, both on the spiritual sense, but really any anything in life, you can you can say that you shouldn't believe just everything that you hear. That you need to really verify it and test it out. So then I, I see, Dad, the kind of third phase of, of this, and that's uh, looking at the evidence of discernment. And uh, John shares with us those who are discernful um, or really show kind of these two evidences that I saw. And this this is in verses four through six. And the two main things that I pulled out of there is, is one, uh, the first evidence of, of discernment is hearing. Mm-hmm. And so John uh, proclaims that his message and the message of his fellow apostles was of God himself, mm-hmm. the author of truth. Right. And so when God's children uh, hear truth, they listen. Mm-hmm. So they're hearing, they understand it, but not only do they hear and they understand, but they respond in obedience. Yeah. And so that's the first evidence of being discernful is that you're going to be able to identify that what you're hearing is correct. Right. You're going to listen to what it is, and then you're going to respond uh, to it and, and follow through in obedience to what God wants you to do right. by the word that you're hearing uh, through that teaching. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that I saw there uh, was overcoming, right? And that's verse four, and, and verse uh, verse four is really the the bumper sticker verse of of uh, John chapter four. It says, "You were of God, little children, and have overcome them, because He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world." And so um, this is just a, not only is it evidence, but it's a great promise that uh, regardless of the opposition, whether it's false teachers, worldly pressures, skeptics, uh, discerning believers can live confidently and be assured of their status and victory uh, because of he who lives in them. And that goes back to what you were talking about, Dad, that Holy Spirit being in them Mm -hmm. um, is the one that enables them to truly be discernful and know right from wrong. That's exactly right. That's right. Uh, just kind of add to what you were saying, uh, a few more things that we should keep in mind when we're trying to judge whether or not a person is a true teacher of God's Word or a false teacher or a false prophet. One thing has to do with their popularity, their popularity. Now, I'm not saying that popularity is positive proof that a teacher is not of God, but one of the marks of an unfaithful prophet is that he appeals to the world. He is of the world. 
and therefore he is he appeals to the world. And another thing you want to check out is their commercialism. You know, Second Peter two three says, speaking to false prophets, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. You know, we were talking about that. Uh, false prophets are interested in money, in the things of the world, and you know, our interest is should be holiness, and not the things of this world. The things of this world perishing, and so we've we've got to keep our our spiritual antenna up and be observant. Another thing that we need to keep in mind besides uh, looking at their content, what they're teaching, their commercialism, would be their converts. Uh, That's certainly one way to test whether or not a person is a false prophet. See what kind of converts they're producing. Jesus, in talking about false prophets, says, you shall know them by their fruits. Now, some honest soul winners have converts that do not become what we intend for them, and that breaks the heart of a soul winner. But false teachers, uh, their converts are, are, are show themselves by their fruit. They don't live for God. One of my favorite preachers, he was the pastor of my church when I was born uh, over 60 years ago, and uh, he pastored a little rural church, and the church exploded with people coming and people being saved. And and years later, uh, he came back to the community, and he was asking about a few of the people that joined the church while he was there. And, of course, they hadn't been to church in years. And he said, well, that must have been some of my converts because it certainly wasn't any of the Lord's converts. When God changes a person, he changes them completely. And the false prophets, they've got their converts all right, but they produce rotten fruit instead of good fruit, good spiritual fruit. Yeah. And so John, again, is encouraging all of us as believers to be discernful. Uh, he tells us, you know, not to listen to everything that we, we, we hear and that we should test that. And, you know, Dad, as I was uh, looking through things uh, for our podcast today, I ran across this uh, article. It uh, was published in uh, Moody's Monthly, and that was the mm-hmm. uh, monthly publication for the Moody Bible Institute. And this ran uh, over 40 years ago, but uh, it was such a great uh, kind of practical guidance here for how to test uh, spirits and it was written by uh, a w uh, tozer I believe is his name mm-hmm. and I just want to share that with our listeners so he he posed seven tests to apply to any teaching uh, right. to, to really help you understand whether it is of God or not and so the first one was how does the teaching affect my relationship with God is he magnified and glorified or diminished number two how does the teaching affect my attitude toward Lord Jesus Christ does it magnify him and give him first place Or does it suddenly shift my focus onto myself or or some experience? Number three, how does the teaching affect my attitude toward the Scripture? Does the teaching come from and agree with the Word? Does it increase my love of the Word? Number four, how does the teaching affect my self-life? Does it feed self or crucify it? Does it feed pride or humility? Number five, how does the teaching affect my relationship with other Christians? Does it cause me to withdraw, find fault, and exalt myself in superiority, or does it lead me to genuine love for all that truly know Christ? Number six, how does the teaching affect my relationship to the world system? Does it lead me to pursue the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, or does it lead me to pursue worldly riches, reputation, and pleasures, or does it crucify the world to me? And the last one, number seven, how does the teaching affect my attitude towards sin? Does it cause me to tolerate sin in my life or turn from it and grow in holiness? 
Any teaching that makes holiness more acceptable and sin more intolerable is genuine. And so, Dad, I thought that was great, uh, you know, seven practical steps that we can take as believers to really test what we're hearing, uh, whether it's a, a preacher on TV or whether it's someone that comes to knock at your door or whether it's uh, some form of, of literature that you're reading uh, in, a, in a magazine or a book or you're watching online um, or if you're listening to a podcast just like ours. Mm-hmm. These are seven, I think, practical steps that you can take to apply to see if a teaching is really of God or not. That's right. You know, Dad, and in closing here, I, I uh, was reading through, and uh, Ray St- uh, Stedman is a you know, great preacher, and he uh, preached a, a sermon a while back that was uh, titled, When Unbelief is Right. And in his final statement, um, he, he made just a, a great kind of bumper sticker type moment, and I'm going to use it for the closing line of our podcast today. He said, God help us to be unbelievers in error as well as believers in truth. That's exactly right. Dad, will you pray us out of here? Sure. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for giving Matt and I the opportunity uh, to share with the listening audience about how dangerous false teachers are. And Lord, we shouldn't be surprised that they're here because uh, the Apostle Paul and John and the Apostle Peter, they all warned us that they were coming. They were already on the scene when these apostles were living. Satan was already trying to infiltrate the church to bring in damnable heresies. And our Heavenly Father, I know that they would just be shocked if they were alive today and could see what is happening in Christian circles. Lord, we pray that we will be discerners of of spiritual truth and spiritual error. Help us, O God, to be filled with your Spirit and to be filled up on the Word of God so that we might be able to detect Uh, truth from error. And our Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you, O God, for those that are standing on the Word of God and teaching the truth. There are churches all across America that are still doing this today. There is hope. Lord, I pray for those that have been deceived, that have been led down uh, the wrong path, that might be listening to this podcast today, that you would open up their eyes and help them to be more discerning and to know how to detect uh, as to whether or not they have gone down the path of 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 deception, Lord, in their life, and help them to come out of it, O oh God, and to come back to you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, and we love you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonefire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com. 